Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, So this is the first Sunday of Advent, and uh, Advent is a a season in the church calendar. And maybe you've at least heard of these sacred seasons of Advent and Lent, at least. If nothing else, that may be your kind of framework for church calendar, and that's great. And um, I love celebrating within the church calendar because today, on the first Sunday of Advent, there are millions of Christians around the world celebrating week one of Advent. And Literally millions of Christians will be reading the same passage of Scripture we're reading today to celebrate this day. And um, Advent is a word uh, that means arrival. It's a simple idea uh, that during Advent, we're doing two things. We are remembering and celebrating that God arrived on earth in the form of a baby. Arrival. And that God saw humanity and he showed up. God arrived. And then we're also anticipating that God will intervene again to restore things, right? Advent is the church's way of observing and remembering, of marking and celebrating that we believe God came to be with us, that God is still with us, and that God is coming again to set all things right. And there are so many Advent themes, right? Light and darkness and candles and giving and generosity and preparing and family and waiting, And one of the primary Advent ideas that gets missed a lot, though, is this idea of renewal, of newness. Because uh, Advent is the beginning of the church calendar, right? December is the end of our calendar, but in the church, in the church calendar, today is New Year's Day. It's the first day of the year. The, The calendar just turned over. And so Advent, in so many ways, is a season of renewal, of newness, of starting again, of trying again, of starting over. And, um... Typically, the four weeks of Advent in a church are um, hope, peace, joy, and love. Hope, peace, joy, and love. We're going to light those candles uh, this year. And those ideas will be woven into our teaching. But um, can I just maybe a moment of honesty, confession to you? Um, I wasn't really feeling hope, joy, peace, and love. I just really struggled uh, to connect with those ideas emotionally, theologically. I just really struggled. I don't, I don't know if they felt contrite to me, uh, it, not contrite, if they felt trite um, to me, it just kind of hard to get to maybe. I, I'm not sure, but I needed something different. And I found out recently um, that the Carmelite nuns, an order of nuns that were founded in the 15th century uh, that focused themselves on contemplative prayer and on service, that they focus uh, during Advent uh, not on these traditional themes of uh, hope, peace, joy, and love, but on uh, different themes. Their themes, the Carmelite nuns, are waiting, accepting, journeying, and birthing. And um, they're connected to the traditional themes. They, they work alongside them. I think that's great. But for me, this, this new language was kind of a renewal in its own way. Just kind of breathe new life into the season to me. Waiting, accepting, journeying. And birthing. So this is the language we're going to use over the next four weeks in our teaching to just do something a little bit different, to, to breathe some new life into it. So maybe it doesn't feel cliched or trite. And so I, I hope that it, in the same way that it's done for me, that it will do for you. And so today, our Advent theme is waiting. Waiting. We wait. And hopefully we wait with faithfulness with real intentionality, but we wait. I wonder how you are at waiting. 
I wonder if you would consider patience as your primary spiritual gift. Yeah, waiting is hard. Uh, Richard Rohr defines suffering as any time we're not in control. Right? Suffering is any time we're not in control. And so really waiting is a form of suffering. And I know some of you feel that more than others, right? That waiting is really just suffering. It is hard. And our Advent reading today is from Isaiah chapter 2. And we stand with Christians all over the world today, and we read Isaiah 2 together. This is what it says. This is what Isaiah, son of Amaz, says concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways. So that, me, so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up nation, net will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. So a lot of our Advent readings are from the prophets, and it's because the prophets were waiting for the first Advent, the first arrival, the arrival of their Messiah. They were in this season of waiting and waiting and waiting for full restoration, for a life of flourishing. They were waiting for God to intervene, and they write these prophetic words about waiting. This, Isaiah chapter 2, is a passage about waiting, right? It says in, in verse 2, in the last days, he said, there will be a day. There will be a day that we are waiting for. There will be a day where people walk in the path of God, or as verse 5 says, walk in the light of the Lord. And they are waiting for the violence and war to cease. There, there is a ton of war and violence between these small nation states in the ancient Near East. You, you could imagine that 3,000 years ago, um, violence, right, violence between these really tribal nations in a lot of ways was the biggest threat to their flourishing. Right? It, it's, it's how it's, violence and war is, is what, uh, what really got in their way of flourishing, of being able to settle down, to have quiet lives. Right? It's violence and war over and over and over again. It's what we see in the Old Testament. So violence is the biggest threat to their way of flourishing, to, to goodness and peace and so the day that they're waiting for is a day where this war will be no more, where weapons will turn into farming equipment, right? where nations will not even train for war. You don't even have to prepare anymore. There is no more violence. Right? They are waiting and waiting and waiting, waiting for renewal, waiting for flourishing. And so what does Isaiah 2, written probably, 2,800 years ago, it's a passage about waiting. What does it tell us about waiting now? So I, I think there's three just simple lessons here. And we're keeping it simple during Advent. I didn't mention that to you. The, I'm hoping the teaching is just simple, just something you can hold on to. Okay, so the first, I think, is that waiting can be a pathway for our renewal if we surrender our plans to God. Now, I know that sounds religious, maybe even triggering to you. But this is the undercurrent of Isaiah chapter 2, that God has a plan. That God has a plan. And, and this doesn't mean that um, everything happens for a reason or, or um, that everything will always be perfect or good or right. 
but we surrender to this idea that God is working something out in our world, that, that God's working something out, that somehow, some way we trust that God is doing something. In the big picture and in the details, God is up to something. God has a plan. And I know, even as I say it out loud, it kind of hurts me that God has a plan is um, maybe a little triggering. It is cliched. So maybe uh, this was for me, but maybe it helps you too, that we could go with uh, the universe is conspiring for your good. The universe, everything, ultimate reality is conspiring for your good. The universe is conspiring for your healing. The universe is conspiring for your flourishing, for your wholeness, for your good. Things are working together. That the universe is conspiring. God has a plan. That's step one to waiting with with faithful intention. And that already makes me anxious. Surrendering my plan to someone else's plan. Because I like to know what the plan is. I like to have a plan. Ultimately, what I like is control. That's why waiting is so hard. I make a to-do list, not so that I don't forget tasks, but so I can manage my anxiety and stay in control. I, I like to have a plan. And so this idea of surrendering to God's plan, this idea of surrendering to the notion that the universe is up to something that I can't see, ooh, that makes me anxious. That's hard. That's hard. But that's step one, to acknowledge and surrender to the idea that God has a plan, that the universe is conspiring for our good. And then when we're able to acknowledge and surrender, then we wait with hope. We practice hope in our waiting. And I know that sounds like, uh, of course, but waiting is an inevitable part of life, right? We all wait. We are waiting for things right now. There are things in your life that you want to be different. There are things that you are holding out for. There are things that you need. You are waiting for things and waiting is inevitable. And for some of us, the world has shredded our sense of hope as we wait. We have been disappointed. We have been hurt. We have been beaten and we have been bruised and all hope has been lost. But as we wait... We are meant to wait with this sense of hope, not negativity, not pessimism. Now I know that it is, it, it is your, your sense of negativity, your sense of pessimism, it, it may be very, uh, it's very understandable, okay? You have a right to it, okay? But we're, we're not meant to wait for the other shoe to drop, right? We're, we're not waiting so that we can say, I told you so, right? We, we wait with hope. Isaiah says, come let us walk in the light of the Lord. This whole passage is hopeful that that God's mountain will be higher than all the other mountains, that there will be no more violence, that there will be a day. It's all hopeful language. Things are getting better. And I know that that is hard, but ultimately hope is a choice. You say we are choosing to believe that there will be a day. It's not today. We're not pretending that all, the, all 
is good right now, that all is well, everything's fine. But we are choosing to say and believe and trust that there will be a day. There will be a day. There will be a day. Right? I'm choosing to believe that there will be a day that our LGBTQ neighbors and friends can simply exist without fear of violence or persecution. It's not today, but I believe there will be a day. I'm choosing to believe that there will be a day where black and brown people do not have to defend their humanity to those who seek to dehumanize and hurt them. It's not today, but I'm choosing to believe that there will be a day. I'm not waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm not waiting to say, I told you so. I'm not waiting with fear or darkness or pessimism or negativity. I'm choosing to wait with hope that there will be a day, that all threats to our flourishing will be vanquished. If you are waiting, then choose to wait with hope. And then as you surrender and acknowledge that the universe is conspiring for your good, as you choose to wait with hope, be willing to slow down. Recalibrate your pace. So Isaiah was written 750 years before Jesus shows up, before the day. Isaiah says there will be a day when the, mount, the mountain of the Lord will be higher than all others. It took 750 years for the day. That is a long time. But justice is slow work. Renewal is slow work. Healing is slow work. Flourishing is hardly ever fast. So as we wait for all that we need, and you have needs, I understand. As we wait for goodness and restoration, we probably need to recalibrate our pace. That with whatever you're waiting for, waiting on, healing in a particular relationship, clarity about a path forward, finances, career, spirituality, justice in our world, whatever you're waiting for, I know you desperately want to stop waiting as soon as possible. I know that waiting hurts, and I know you want it to be over. And most of the angst in my life is because I think things should be moving faster. I want conflict to be resolved as fast as possible, which a lot of times means I just sweep it away instead of deal with it. But I just want it to be done. I want to move fast, fast, fast. Most of my angst is because I think things should be moving faster. Right? I want relationships to develop fast. I want conflict to be resolved fast. I want Ellis to put on his shoes faster. I create an unnecessary like shot clock in my head for everything. Faster, 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 faster. Right, But it's time to slow down, even and maybe especially in our waiting. Right? And maybe, maybe we're missing the hope and the goodness and the plan because we're moving so fast with our head down, working so hard that we can't even see how much we've already healed. That we can't even see how much we've already grown. 
We can't even see how much we've already been saved. Slow down. Slow down. Recalibrate your pace in the middle of your waiting. I know waiting is hard. It is, it is suffering, but it is inevitable. And so we acknowledge that the universe is conspiring for our good. We practice hope and we embrace a slow pace. So for you right now, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting for? What is it? I wonder today if you could just put your finger on it. You could acknowledge it, that you could feel it. You know, some of those things that we really, that we need, belonging and love, security, some of those things we really need, sometimes it's really hard for us to acknowledge them, to say, I'm, I'm, I need that, I'm waiting on that. I need it. How do I, how do I get there? Maybe what you need today is rest. Or what are you waiting for? Maybe you just acknowledge that and feel it as it comes up in you today. What are you waiting for? And which of the, these ideas, surrendering to a plan, being hopeful, slowing down, which of those ideas are most difficult for you? Which sounds most painful? Right? Is it surrendering to someone else's plan? Is it just having to practice hope instead of negativity or pessimism? Is it slowing down? Which of those is most painful? Now, you know I love a mantra, so maybe if one of these is really hard for you, you could just find a phrase to carry with you this week. Right? If surrendering to a plan is hard for you, maybe you could just carry along with you this week, the universe is conspiring. You could just pray it. Sometimes speak it aloud. Sometimes just call it to mind. Maybe take a walk. Maybe in your car. The universe is conspiring. The universe is conspiring. The universe is conspiring. Or, or if hoping is hard, you could just carry around with you this week. Good things are coming. Good things are coming. Good things are coming over and over again. Or if slowing down is hard, maybe you could carry with you just this simple phrase that I, I've been working on. I am not in a hurry. I'm not in a hurry. I'm not in a hurry. The, the universe is conspiring. Good things are coming and I'm not in a hurry. The universe is conspiring. Good things are coming and I'm not in a hurry. You might need to say all three all day long, but just find a phrase and carry it with you. Hold it. Hold it. Right? This is our work. This is the work of Advent, to wait with faithful intention. Right? We are waiting, inevitably. So we acknowledge that the universe is conspiring for our good. We practice hope, and we slow our pace. Brene Brown says, I went to church thinking it would be like an epidural, that it would take the pain away. But church isn't like an epidural. It's like a midwife. I thought faith would say, I'll take the pain and discomfort. But what it ended up saying was, I'll sit with you in it. This is the story of our waiting. This is the story of Christmas. This is the whole story. Not that God is a cosmic problem solver or that faith makes everything easy or simple. That believing in God will take away all your issues. That we'll never have to wait again. No, no, no. The story is this. 
Emmanuel, God with us. With us in our waiting, with us in our hoping, with us in our suffering, with us. You are never alone. You've never been alone. Emmanuel, God with you. So gather, this is my prayer for us today. If waiting feels like suffering to you, do your best to remember that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character hope. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.